0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, I want to welcome those who are in person, and I want to welcome those who are online. If you're new with us, my name is Brian Mowry. I am the lead pastor, but I am not the only pastor. Julie Church is way more than one person on a screen. It's communities of people full of gifts who are loving each other, encouraging each other, blessing each other, and they want to bless you. They want to encourage you. And we just want to invite you in on this. That's why we do growth track every single month to give people multiple opportunities to come and be in part. And we hope that you feel welcomed. One of the things uh, you're going to find out real soon if you are new, new is that we are passionate about Jesus. We're passionate about putting Jesus on display, His love, His power, His glory. And whatever the subject of the week is, our goal is to get to Jesus, and we hope that you experience him here this morning. Well, today we're going to start a new series that's going to take us through the holidays called Travel Light, and the big idea is that this world is not our home, and as we travel through it, what you know, whatever our lifespan is, if it's 80 years or whatever it is, um, we, this world is not our home, but we tend to accumulate stuff. We tend to accumulate stuff that we cannot keep at risk of neglecting to invest in things that we cannot lose. So we're going to talk about some things that are hard for us to let go, but if we can let go of them, uh, man, we're going to be better off, our families are going to be better off, our world is going to be better off, and today's message is about letting go of stuff. And here's the key thought. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what does matter. We want to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what does matter. And that's where we're going today. And Jesus is going to help us get there. He's going to do a teaching that's going to help us understand how to think about our stuff. And he starts with a warning here in Luke 12, verse 15. He says, watch out, okay? Be on your guard. Man, what is he going to say? Watch out for, you know, is there a dark alley coming up? You know, is there a rough neighborhood? I mean, what could be so dangerous that we need to watch out? He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. There are all kinds there are many kinds of greed. There's just one kind. There are all kinds of greed. He says, look, you've got to be really, really aware of this. It, greed has a way of sneaking up. That's why he's telling us to be on our guard. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, sins that may be obvious, like, you know, stealing is, you know, when you're stealing, but how do you know when you're being greedy? How do you know when greed has got a hold of you? So he says, you've got to be on your guard. In the, in the Greek word, if you get into the, the Greek of this, um, Phrase. It's, it's a very, sus- be suspicious is what it's saying. You need to be suspicious about your motives when it comes to stuff and money and finances and things like that. You need to be very, very careful. You need to be very, very proactive so that greed doesn't sneak up on you. And then he makes this statement. He says, this is why you have to be aware of greed. He says, for life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions, or one's stuff. Your life is not equivalent to the same as the abundance of your possessions. The quality of your life does not depend upon how much you acquire, upgrade, save, invest. Now, this seems like an obvious statement. I mean, like, Brian, we know that like, life is more than stuff. We know that money can't buy happiness. We, we, we know that. Why in the world would you even bother saying that? But let me ask you, have you ever just had to have something? Have you ever just had to have that pair of shoes? Have you ever just had to have that iPhone? Have you ever had to have that pumpkin spice latte? Have you ever had to have a home just like Joanna Gaines? Have you ever had to have your kids in that one school? Is there something that you felt like, man, I have got to have that in order to be happy now logically we know that life is more than stuff but practically practically i think sometimes if we're honest you and i we fall into the trap of believing that life equals the abundance of uh, stuff, And it's not just the stuff that we have that drives us. Actually, what drives us more is the stuff that we don't have. And this is the lie that we believed all the way back in the garden. You know, in the garden, uh, God gave Adam and Eve, God gave you and I bliss, 72 degrees, free food, no war, racism, pain, so- everything was as it should be. But he excluded one thing. He said, you can have all of this in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Satan comes along and he says, It's not good enough. God's holding out on you. What you have isn't enough. What you have isn't going to make you happy. What you have isn't going to satisfy you. There is more, there is better, and it's what you don't have or that Satan lied then and he continues to lie now. What you don't have is what you need to be fulfilled and happy. More. Is always, you know, if one is good, more is better. One is good, two is better. Jesus does not agree. Life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. I love what Solomon said and says in uh, Ecclesiastes four six. He says, "Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful with one hand empty than to have you know both kind of toiling and and chasing after the wind, trying to." Uh, you know consume and gather and acquire more and more and more and you and I get the exact opposite message every day of our life every commercial is like you got to have this you got to have this car this pair of jeans this life this vacation you deserve it you're worth it you and if you don't have it you're not going to be happy i mean we're seeing that now more than ever as christmas rolls around and i got to be honest with you it's kind of appealing i mean the stuff in this world is kind of nice you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it has a way. It's not, it's not junk. It draws our heart in, but we have to understand it's appealing to the flesh side of us, not the spirit side of you. And let me just remind you the difference. In Romans 8, 6, it says, for the mind of the flesh is death. So there's something, the mind of the flesh, and the flesh isn't referring to like your skin when the Bible says that. It's talking about that part of you that's not yet submitted to God. That part of you that wants to believe the lie, that chases after things, it's going to deceive you. And the mind that's set on those things is going to lead to death. This idea that I need something that I don't have is going to lead to death. But the mind that's set on the spirit, check this out, is life and peace. And Jesus is going to tell us here that how you view the stuff that you have is going to determine which direction you go. And so then again, he tells them a parable. He says, let me just tell you a story. Let me break this down for you and help you understand. He says, uh, the land of a rich man, this is verse 16, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. So this guy is wealthy, and he's getting ready to get wealthier. In verse 17, he says, and so he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all of my crops. My barns are full. My basement is full. My attic is full. I've got so much stuff. You know what, hon? We need to get a storage unit. Did you know that from 2011 to 2019, that the self-storage industry quadrupled. It went from a $22 billion business in eight years, from a $22 billion business to an $88 billion business. And it's predicted just to keep going. I mean, I don't know how many of those have popped up in your neighborhood, but they're popping up in my neighborhood. In the 1950s, the average household was 3.8 people. And the average square foot of that home was 982 square feet, the the new homes that were built. Today, the average household is 2.6 people, and the average house built is 2,700 square feet. We have bigger houses, not for more people, but for more stuff. And that's not enough. We have to have storage units. Verse 18, so he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger and large ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I'll expand my basement, expand my attic. Oh, you know, we need to go get another self-storage unit. You know, sales are really good. You know, profits are up, received a bonus at work. I'll buy a new car. I'll get an IRA, second new home, Luke, you know, 12, verse 19, he says, I will say to him. So he's done this. He's acquired. He's upgraded. He's doing this. He's got enough now. He's got enough for later. And he's got enough for even later after that. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, drink and be merry, which is a really good plan. I mean, this guy is set for life. He has enough now to consume to his heart heart content. He has enough for the future for when he retires. And you know what? He's got enough for his kid's future. This guy has done Well, because after all, you know, if one is good, two must be better. I mean, this is why I have all this stuff. I have all this stuff to make me happy and secure now so that I can be happy and secure later and so that my kids can be happy and secure in the future. Well, what does God think about this in verse 20? But God said to him, fool. Now, I think at this point in the story, his listeners would have been really confused because even though Jesus exaggerated a little bit in this story, this was the cultural idea. I mean this guy had it made. I mean these guys were living paycheck to paycheck. I mean literally uh, they were they had enough food just for the day. they were or maybe a week, who knows, but it was very much like man th- their future was a huge unknown. And here's a guy who doesn't just have his day taken care of, his week taken care of, his month taken care of, his year taken care of. He has his whole life taken care of. And then some, this guy would have been the hero. This guy would have been the ideal. Here's a guy who's able to put away enough for now, enough for later, and enough for his kids later. This sounded awesome. Not only that, this was an agriculture society, which means that it, you know, in order to have lots of stuff, you needed rain, you needed sunshine, you needed a good seed, you needed a good soil, things that were out of his control. So this would have been a sure sign of God's blessing. We've got people today who think that. They think, well, you know, I've been blessed because God's favor is upon me. And, and what we need to do is we need to seek to acquire stuff, flaunt it, secure it. You know, if you have a lot of stuff, you know, God, you know, He's favoring you. And if you don't have stuff, you just lack faith. I just want you to know that's not in the Bible. It's not even really hinted in the Bible. And if you haven't been paying attention, it doesn't work. But more importantly, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says that life does not equal the abundance of your possessions. That's not what life is about. Life is not about stuff. But how many times do you and I get caught up in this ideal of upgrading, of acquiring, of getting stuff more and more and more? So here's a guy that's done very well for himself. He says, I have enough for now and enough for later. And he takes comfort and security in that. But listen, but God says to him, you fool. Maybe God might be saying to you, you fool fool. And you may think, well, I'm not a fool. Like I've got it all worked out. I'm taking care of my family. I'm saving for future needs. I'm getting my kids the right education. I'm working hard to get promoted. And God says to someone who lives that way for that way is a fool. Why is this guy a fuel, a fool, a fuel, a fool? Now, I just want to be clear. God is not against getting wealthy. And I don't even think Jesus is really speaking against saving your future. In fact, Proverbs would, would go at length to say it's, it's, it's wise to do that. So man, invest, save, all that. That's, that's not what he's saying. What he's, this person is a fool because he buys into the lie that a life is about acquiring more and more stuff, which means that you end up serving your stuff instead of having your stuff serve you. If you think that possessions and income that comes your way is what you need to, to have a happy life, to have a secure life, that you need to have stuff, this is what Jesus is speaking about. Even if it just means to have a, you know, I just have a little coffee habit, I've a movie habit, i got a gadget habit. You know, if it just means I got a little vacation over here or maybe you have so much stuff that you need accountants and lawyers to figure it all out. Whatever it is, you could have a lot or you could have a little and stuff can have you. It's not just for people who have objectively a lot of stuff, it's relative. But let me finish the story. Luke 20, it says, but God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. You've run out of time, even though you've not run out of stuff. And all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? You see, uh, the rich fool, as the Bible calls him, assumes what many of us assume is that the stuff we work for, we'll get to enjoy, right? Maybe, maybe not. Because the things that we have prepared, consumed, and saved, whose will they be? They'll be somebody else's, not because we gave it. It's because we left it. What we hold on to in this life has a shelf life. That could be 40 years, 10 years, or it could be next week. It all has a shelf life. There will be a moment in time when all that we have worked for will come to nothing. Verse 21 So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The fool is the one who is rich toward himself, but is not rich toward God and others. They grab a hold of stuff for them, anything that they can get their hands on. Remember at the beginning, we said, it is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. What doesn't matter is temporal things. What does matter is eternal things. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying he's a fool because he is grabbing a hold. He wants more and more of what ultimately doesn't matter. And he is not making himself grab a hold of what truly does. That is why he's a fool. He's grabbing a hold of what's going to just be gone one day. He's being rich toward himself, but he is not being rich toward God and others. Now let me ask you maybe a painful question that may step on your toes, but um, I think you can handle it. What if the grip you have on stuff is robbing you from what you really, really want? What if the grip that you have on your stuff is robbing you from what you really, really want? want. There's a well-known trap used by hunters to catch monkeys. What they do is they they take a coconut and they cut a hole that's just big enough for the monkey to stick his open hand, to squeeze his open hand into the coconut, Uh, but it's not big enough for him to pull out his closed fist out of the coconut. And so they take this coconut, they empty it out, and they put um, you know, fruit in there, so they'll go in and grab it. And then what they found is that monkeys are greedy. Uh, the monkey thinks, "Hey, look! I have found something amazing. I found some fruit, and so he'll." The monkey will stick in his hand, grab the fruit, but what he won't do is he won't let go of the fruit, and so his hands get stuck in the coconut. And when the and so the hunters will tie the coconut to a tree and they'll sit there and wait. And so when the monkey comes around and you know the coconut's tied to the tree, you know, he sticks his hand in the coconut to grab the fruit and he tries to pull out and he can't, he can't. Then the hunters show up. And if you've ever seen a video on this, the, the monkey, just, he, does, he keeps trying to pull his hand out more and more and more, but he never ever lets go of the fruit until he's captured. This monkey is totally blinded by greed. I mean, all he had to do was just let go of the fruit and then he'd be free, but he could not let go of the fruit. He held on to the fruit to his own demise and he gave his life for this fruit. Is stuff making a monkey of you? Have you got your hand so tight on it that, you, that you're willing to give your life to it? I mean, you're burning the midnight oil, you're working, you're working, you're saving. It's all consuming your pursuit of stuff. I want to submit to you uh, one hand living. So remember, Ecclesiastes says, you know, better one hand of tranquility than two that's constantly, you know, grabbing, uh, chasing into the wind. So what does it look like to, to, to grab a hold of with one hand, but to leave one hand open, not to, not to just go after stuff with all your might? Well, here's three things. Throw out, buy less, give more. Throw out, buy less, give more. Um, first one, throw out. You know, I'm a maximizer. Uh, it's one of my you know, if you do the strengths finder, it's one of my strengths, which is a nice way of saying that I'm cheap. Okay, that's what that means. Um, which I don't find it difficult to spend less. I don't find it difficult, actually, uh, by God's grace, to be to to give away stuff, to give away uh, money. But I do find it difficult to get rid of stuff, and I and I'm I'm realizing that. Um, Recently, because you know, someday I may need it. You know, so I have like this leather jacket that like I haven't worn in decades, but one day maybe it'll come back in style and I can wear it again. Or, or VHS, you know, that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to hang on VHS tapes and, tapes and, and I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I have a uh, an oversized two-car garage, and I cannot fit one of my cars into it. Uh, we've got stuff in boxes that we have not done anything with since our last move. Um, it 's not expensive stuff, mind you it 's not like it 's worth something it 's just I have this thing in me that maybe one day i 'll need it and i and 'm afraid if I just give it away or let it go, um, or sentimentality you know I, you know I want to hang on to this, and so fear or sentimentality causes me so yeah, that's me, man. I, if you're like me, like that's, I, I need to learn to throw out, to get rid of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm finding myself spending time reorganizing stuff when, anyway. And I just want you to know, like, man, I'm not above my own messages, my own sermons. And so for me, when I when I read this parable and I hear Jesus teaching on stuff, the the, the place where it hits me is I just need to Get rid of stuff. I need to give more. I need to let go of more stuff. Um, I need to throw out. And then, so, secondly, though, you you may need to buy less. So, you need to get rid of stuff, simplify your life. You don't need all this stuff. Second thing you can do is buy less. Now, I realize I should have preached this message before Black Friday and before Small Business Saturday and before Cyber Monday. I, I know I missed the boat on this, but. Buy less stuff. And if that's you, here's a good prayer for you. Psalm 119, 36, he says, give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. You can buy less and you can give more. 1 Timothy six, seventeen through 19, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, which is where Jesus was getting to, but on God who richly provides with us everything to enjoy. It's okay to enjoy, it's okay to have stuff. It's not okay for stuff to have you. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. So not just rich toward themselves, but to be rich toward God. That's what it means. To be rich toward God means to be rich in good works toward others, to be generous, to be ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasures as a good foundation for the future. Here it is, so that they may take a hold of what is truly life. What if, what if, what if you traded in grabbing and acquiring with two hands and to be content to leave one hand free? What what could you do with that other hand? You could help someone else. You you could pick someone else up if they've fallen down. You can hug someone. You can encourage someone. Um, You can worship. You can do all kinds of things. But when you are toiling with both hands to grab a hold of stuff. You are limited. And you're really losing life. You're like that monkey trying to grab a hold of something. And you're willing to risk your entire life to hold on to it. But if you were to let it go, how you can help people, the sum total of your life Will not be stuff, but it, you would have the courage that you would, you and I would have the courage to let go of stuff, so that we can grab a hold of what is truly life. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. Um, you know, we want to be a community that shows the world that Jesus is better. That Jesus is better than it all. And this is an area that does that. That there's like a war going on in our heart about our stuff. I just want to pray for you as we conclude. Lord, I just, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you have come to show us the way to life. And it's not in our stuff, but it's you. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now that you would give us the courage to let go of stuff, that we would not grab a hold of things with two fists, but we would learn to let go so that we could grab a hold of what is truly life. I pray these things in your name. Amen.